0: So everyone. Welcome to episode seventy-six of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise UK, and sponsored by Stereo Brown Records. I am your host slash your boy Chris Pugh and I'm joined, as ever, by my very good friend and Mr. cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, how are you?
1: Feeling like vulnerable himself after
0: the, after the events of the previous evening, um but I'm okay, man. How about yourself? Matt, I'm good, man. I'm so much better than the last time we did we did one of these. Like if you remember remember, sunburnt I was and like Yeah, yeah, you you said to me, like you said to like, dude, I can like see pink around your face. because of the um the lighting where by my window here, like I look really pale. But even last last time we did one of these, I was so burnt that you could see like pink around my forehead, man. I was like, (laughs) I'm so glad it's I'm so glad it's calmed down in terms of the weather, mate. That was a vile week that was. Yeah,
1: really, really tough, man. I mean I I mean, you said you like overcomplain almost, don't you? You sound ungrateful, like but yeah, I, I I love I love I love warm weather. I I love when I can go out in t-shirt and shorts. But man, if stop it at twenty-seven degrees at ten o'clock at night, just, just <laughs> yeah. end it right there. That there's a line, and that is way beyond at that point. Do you know what, man? Like,
0: I think it a week before, or maybe two weeks before, it was Sports Day, and I, I got really into it with the kids and stuff, and I was like running about and that, and it was. It was it was only like 21 degrees but mate, I was roasting. I went I went to this other it's staff It's over an egg and spoon race <laughs> yeah. right I went to the staff members I was like I I, I cannot believe how hot I am right now because I I, was, so I, had the, I had my suit on and I was like running around getting involved in that and that I thought this is the hottest I've ever been this is by a mile and that was at 20 <laughs> that was at 21 degrees that was mate last week was then absolutely just insane man. i couldn't believe the the temperature it's like and i, I saw on the news that like we might be hitting 40 degrees uh, on a regularity in british summers could in the coming future because of climate change and stuff mate imagine 40, a regularity of 40 degrees in the summer
1: mate we have we have, we have no social structure we have no social structures in place to deal with that kind of heat no not no, we not the society at all to deal to deal with that like it's just not. It's just not going to be feasible, mate. Have you Sorry. seen
0: how in Qatar they kind of synthesize rain? You're gonna to
1: have to explain that to me, what mate, does that They mean? get.
0: I like, saw. I saw like, I saw, like um, a video like explaining it on Facebook. They get like, what's the best way of like describing? Um, they get like drones in the air, and they're like they, they, the drones like zap, zap, like and put like electric shocks into the clouds. And it brings clouds together and like forces it to rain. Oh,
1: okay.
0: They do that in like Qatar and, and Dubai and stuff. I was seeing it on um on, on Facebook. And like, but the problem with that is they've got no drainage systems in like Qatar and Dubai. I so say Qatar and Dubai are two different places. Uh, they've got no they've got no like like um tra- like drainage systems. So like when it does
1: they,
0: mean they make they've got no rain. drainage, There's nothing at all. They, when it, it rains, like they make it rain, but the water just it just clogs up all the highways and stuff because they don't really account for like waterfall in their architecture when they're building things because it it so rarely rains there, especially obviously uh, in their, in their peak summer months. So they make it rain, but then it raining causes problems because they haven't got proper drainage systems (laughs) set up in place. It's wild dude. It is wild. That is crazy. I if you know see the the... Video, I'm going to tag you because so you can watch yeah. it because obviously the video does a much better job explaining than what I've just done. But it is honestly, mate, it, believe it or not, it, honestly, mate, it is wild. Yeah, they start the day at like um, school, they start at like six in the morning,
1: doesn't it? It finishes at like one o'clock in the afternoon or something like that because they don't have, they can't have a school day between the hours of like one and three because it's just impossibly hot. Um, I, I, I remember. I remember I was talking to a, 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 um, a friend of mine that was teaching over there for like a year or so and she was like, yeah, I'd be up at like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning but I'd be done by like half past 12 and I'd be sunbathing. That is wild. Um, because it's just, you, you can't be teaching like linguistics at 1 o'clock and it's like 55 degrees. Like you've got to, you've got to be just asleep or doing nothing or whatever. Um, if it wasn't such a rich country that can create all these facilities to handle it like it would just be just an inhospitable environment when it just be absolutely crazy to deal with. but yeah I mean we have drainage systems at least and we are <laughs> Damn, like, doesn't still complete yeah we are still I think completely incapable of handling any possibility of real hot weather like in the same way that snow appears to just stop everything that is, mm. that ever takes place for like, three days. And then you see, like, places like America, like Chicago, that has like a foot of snowfall every winter without fail, and they've like the minus twenty-five wind chill. People just go to work; it's just no issue. Like, yeah. And then, oh man, I'm I'm not I'm not too optimistic about that potential future.
0: Is this the most off-kilter conversation we've ever had on the podcast? Mm-hmm. This is the furthest away from what we normally talk about that we've ever done. I think. It's up there, but I yeah. we've done this before. We do this and we, we, we'll do it again, I've got no doubt. Uh, we are a fortnightly rock and metal podcast sponsored by Stereo Brown Records. We're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen slash watch podcasts, we will be there. Uh, please subscribe whichever channel you are using to watch us on. That's the best way to support us. Follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast, both me and Sam run that account. We are approaching 666 followers on Twitter. That'll be a moment for us. Um, on this week's show... There's one piece of news that I'd like to discuss with Sam, and reviews are going to come from Lingua Ignota's new record, Sinner Get Ready, and the new Lorna Shore EP, and I Return to Nothingness. Plus, this week's Chris meets is with Dude Trips bassist slash vocalist Jamie Mathers. Uh, Dude Trips are a band that I've liked for several years, man. Really, really cool emo rock band. They're playing uh, the Powerfest in Cardiff, obviously sponsored by Noise. They're a really great band and catching up with Jamie for the first time, actually speaking to him and trying to get like an idea of Fraser Bro where the band came from, the ideas behind some of the music, the feelings that are trying to get across at certain points of songwriting. Really, really cool stuff, man. So make sure you stick around at the end of the show for that. Sam, there is an awful, awful piece of news uh, to open the show with. Uh, Former Slipknot drummer Joey Jordison passed away at the age of 46 this week. Oh, dude, I mean, so obviously you as the musician will speak about Joey Jordison's quality in much finer detail and depth than I would ever be able to. But I guess for me, the best way for me to describe how I feel about Joey Jordison is that I think for me and many others, probably Slipknot were the first really heavy band that I ever loved, like really heavy. Obviously Metallica are heavy metal. Megadeth are heavy metal, Slayer heavy metal, but Slipknot are like a different beast of heavy metal. They're, they're probably the closest thing to extreme metal that is massive. Do you know what I mean? The, the, especially those first three albums, more specifically the first two, they're the closest thing to extreme metal that's ever been like, like stadium size huge. And for me, they were absolutely the first borderline extreme metal band that I, Fell in love with, and a lot of that was because of Joey Jordison's intensity. And I remember vividly the first time I ever heard Slipknot's debut and the second sick kicks in with those drums and they pick up the pace shout from Clown and it all just comes to a head. And there's this explosion of sound and rhythm and fury. And Joey Georgeson was an absolute vital cog in that. And I've seen videos of him performing live. And someone put up a video on YouTube, or someone discovered the video on YouTube where they played the London Historia in '99. And Joey Jordison's standing on his drum stool, like just staring out at the crowd while the scratches before sit coming. And he's like, he's tilting his head to the side, stretching his arms out of the crowd. Like, so not one of the band have played a note yet, yeah, but the crowd are like unglued. They're just. It's the atmosphere looks absolutely like unbelievable. And I I think that Joey Jordison's legacy in terms of metal drumming will live forever. I I think that he, he really is one of the staples of 21st century musicianship. And he was a massive, massive part of why Slipknot became the biggest metal band of the 21st century. It's a tremendous, tremendous loss that it really, really knocked me about. It really, really bothered me, especially the age of 46. I mean, come on, man. Jeez. For yourself, dude, I mean, you were literally learning to play drums in your teens, which means that during that point, Slipknot, you know, Iowa and Volume 3 Subliminal Verses were still kind of fresh in people's memory. Obviously, Iowa came out in 2001, so you you were learning to play the drums when you are eight. But I'm guessing dude that once you hit 13 14 15 Joey Jordison and then Lars Ulrich were like your two, and then Dave Lombard are like your three absolute heroes that
1: you would have done anything to emulate. Yeah, yeah, literally. I bought um I bought Black A head drumsticks to be like Joey. I I bought Pearl gear because he used Pearl gear. I practiced uh 30 second drum note fills because that's that that was what he was brilliant at. So I I bought a double kick pedal to be able to play like eyeless. um He he was a hero, not just for me, but for an entire generation of, of metal fans. He was, this is such a rare thing for a drummer as well, he was a musician that stood out to people that weren't musicians. You could, it, w- it was abundantly clear that Joey Jordison was just incredible to people that had never picked up a pair of drumsticks, people that had never noticed anything about um, music prior. Uh, Slipknot are a unique band, the drums are a central figure to their sound. And they happen to have, for, for probably a five year period, the best drummer on the planet for alternative music. Um, 1999 to 2004, Joey Jordanson is just untouchable as, as, a, as a drummer for, for, for metal. And he didn't, just, um, he didn't just perfect what it meant to be, um, to be a, a metal drummer, he redefined what we thought could have been possible in, inside the confines of a metal song, there the are things that Joey Johnson did in those few years that I, I have never, ever, ever heard anybody come anywhere near to. This, the the not, not the, the obvious the obvious stuff you know the double the, the kick work and, and the tom fills and all that sort of stuff. But you listen to the listen to the high hats on Disasterpiece, listen to the snare rolls on Islas, um listen to um, listen to the slow building drums in Skin Ticket on Iowa, listen to the Blister Exists uh, just from start the Pulse of the Maggots. Um, listen listen obviously the duality is the obvious when you think of the baseball bat and and, and all the percussive elements but in between that is is Joey Johnson's incredible incredible little drum fills and intricate little stylings in between listen to the opening on welcome with the little simple shots in between the in in between the drum fills from from a, a resume and talent and skill standpoint and charisma I've never met and seen a drummer that it's such an intoxicating blend of all those within metal and it's such an, it's such an engaging and, and charismatic ability um, where I, I genuinely, genuinely felt that alongside Corey Taylor, Joey Jordison was the star of that band mm-hmm. for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at the, look at the impact um, that, that his passing has, has had on people's, people's memories um, and the, The the reminder of of the role that he played in shaping the early twenty first century alternative music scene is 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 never is never going to be matched. I I I I do feel that Joey Jordison is in that Dave Lombardo, Neil Peart, um the class of drummer, um and for for the for the early twenty first century as Slipknot have been Slipknot are the biggest band of the last twenty years in alternative music. I do think that Joey Jordison. Stands on some of the all-time best musicians in that period of time as well. Um, just, just a tremendous, tremendous loss, and I it sucks. I just, I, I, I wish, I wish, I wish I could. I wish I could, I could speak more eloquently on on how how this how this hurts. But it, it, it's it's. It's really just a horrible, horrible thing to happen, to have his have his talent taken away like it did. Um, and then to be robbed um by a lot of his dexterity and his stamina by multiple um by cirrhosis, a form of cirrhosis that he suffered um in his late thirties uh, and early forties, which essentially ended his career at Slipknot and pretty much his metal career as a result. I saw a, I saw a drum solo I did in twenty seventeen for it was Vimich, and that's during some of the struggles that he's, that he's mentioning there and he's still absurd <laughs> still extraordinary he's still he's still one of the best drummers i've ever seen even with his his, his his nerves and and some of his um dexterity taken away and before before that it was he was peerless there were three drummers in slipknot three yeah three 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 drummers in slipknot and it was not even a debate that joey was going to be the drummer mm. um they already had a drummer and then they saw Joey Johnson playing another band and they brought him into a band that already had two other drummers and made Joey the band, the, the central figure. Also, Joey wrote riffs for Slipknot and helped construct some of the songwriting, had a massive role in them moving forward. This is not just a guy who plays really, really fast. This is one of the, the beating hearts of the, one of the most important bands we have ever had and certainly the most important metal band of the last 20 years and just a dramatically tragic loss. Did you catch Slipknot live when Joey was with them? I didn't. Yeah, I saw I saw them in um, 2008. I thought Hope's Gone tour where Joey came out with the Jesus Crown and all that sort of stuff. Did the he do band. the? Did he do the
0: um, revolving drum setup?
1: He didn't unfortunately, do. not. No,
0: that was they, they 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 stopped doing that on that tour. Unfortunately. See, um, and that's a that's a, the reason why I was I was going to discuss that that traversed the mainstream people knew who joey Jordison was even just for that people know he does people knew what he knew him for that that he would like play the drums upside down and there would be and not just like for a little bit like (laughs) there's like clips of him doing it for like two or three minutes just revolve, just like with the stage just revolving around him absolutely absolutely insane he it's it's really really hard to actually put words to the to what he has given to alternative music or or what he gave to alternative music, then man, just an absolute figurehead for for metal in the 21st century. And, you know, we were in a nightclub um, on last night and duality was on and you mentioned duality just, and I said to you, it's the metal anthem of the 21st century. And you're like, yeah, this absolutely is. And I was like, look, even everyone, look, everyone knows the words to this song. And a great part you just mentioned, a great part of duality is the rhythm section, and that is brought by Joey. It's just man, how do you how do you define this loss? You can't. It's such a such a massive shame. I mean, if he died at eighty
1: six, it would be a shame. Forty six, dude, horrible, horrible. I mean, his legacy, his legacy will live on. There are millions. I would have at least hundreds of thousands of kids that have picked a drumsticks because of him yeah uh learning to play because of him and trying to base the style off him and 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 that muse, that music's eternal music's eternal and that's that's the gift that he that's the gift that he's given us um but yeah it's heartbreaking
0: can we move on to album review Sam? Uh, let us start with Lingua Ignota's Cinema Get Ready. It's out on August 6th, 6th via Sergeant House. It's the follow up to 2019's Caligula. For those who aren't aware, uh, Lingua Ignota's real name is Christine Hayter. She's a classically trained multi instrumentalist. Caligula, it remains today the heaviest album I've ever heard. There's no breakdowns or insane blast beats, but it's this unbelievably haunting, stressful letter to Christine's former abuser and the way she delivers certain songs and their subject matter, it is, it is, it's difficult to sit through. I've never actually finished the album in one sitting. It is too much. It's, you know, I listen. I listen to Caligula and it genuinely affects my mood. It's a horrible, horrible album to listen to. However, It is an incredibly, incredibly important and moving piece of music. And and sometimes that's like kind of an exclamation point behind what great art does. Great art makes you feel something, does it not? And Caligula absolutely is is an album that kind of evokes emotion from whoever listens to it. It's a, a very very troubling, difficult uh, sit through. That is, I, I, I'm never going to attempt to listen to that album in full again. I just know because I can't do it; it just gets me too miserable. And um, and you you create that album, like really kind of hating yourself. So with that said, I, I was like legitimately apprehensive about coming into this record. I had no idea what to expect or to what depths my emotions were going to travel to listening to it. I'll say, Sam, that kind of similar to Pupil slices Mirrors, though obviously not textually the same, I don't feel like this record or any of Lingua, Lingua Ignauta's music is made to be enjoyed as such. Not in the sense of it's a bad performance, but more in the sense of what, when, what it evokes from you when you are listening to it. I don't think it's made to be an enjoyable experience. So next week, we're going to review Slaughter to Prevail's new album. And I can tell you now that won't be nice music, but it will be fun to listen to. This record is not made to be fun. And that is an unusual experience to have, isn't it? I mean, first thing we should say, this is unlike anything we've reviewed on this podcast so far. We've
1: never done anything like this before. No, no, this is, um, this is completely, this is not left field. This is a field unto itself, isn't it? In terms of, terms of the way that it's written and the style that it is, it's, it's part concept album, part, alternative folk album part pagan ritual yeah um sort of cross cross between I, I agree with you um this is not meant to be an entertaining enjoyable listen um if this was a film it would be like midsummer yeah where you just meant to sit down and watch it and just experience stuff if this was a work of art it would be like one of those modern art pieces where there's like blood on the carpet and stuff and it's just entitled him or something. And there's like a whole plethora of things that make you feel certain stuff. Um This is, yeah. Um It's a tough one to review. This is because you, you have to, you have to suspend your instincts when you're listening to this. Uh, because the easy thing to say after listening to this album is it's not enjoyable. Ergo, it's not good yeah um i didn't enjoy it therefore it's trash and and that those two things are usually not mutually exclusive because you know we review based on our opinion if i don't like it i'll say that i don't like it i didn't enjoy this but i don't think i'm meant to mm. so it it comes to the follow question was this successful you know in what it, in what it, what it aimed to do and for that if we rephrase it that way she absolutely achieves what i assume she's attempting to achieve yeah um which is create a piece of music that successfully tells a haunting creepy and at times genuinely unsettling narrative it strikes at the heart of middle america religious fanaticism abuse and religious hypocrisy and, 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 and and, and ideas of sacrifice and cleansiness and, and, and all the sort of stuff that she's, she's touching on, um, told with sort of like this cruel American dark humour. Um, that part of it is incredibly successful. Mm. Um, it's, it's dark and it's haunting and it is unsettling. Um, at times, I feel that it's a touch repetitive Um, At times, I feel that the styles of songs that she's chosen appear to live into two categories, which is the almost spoken word piano backdrop Mm -hmm. and the pseudo-folk sort of dark country aspect. And that happens a little bit further down the album with some moments of of occasional sort of austereal beauty. She's clearly an incredibly talented performer. She's got a a very haunting voice. Um, So I think this is successful at what she's attempting to achieve. Um, I do wonder, however, beyond making an artistic metaphor or a societal um, point, what the target
0: audience is, though. That is a good question. I could not tell you. Would you see this live? I don't think I'd pay twenty five pound, but if it was at a, if she was at a festival, I would. I think it'd be quite an
1: experience. Could you? I can't imagine this going. De- I can't imagine this going down well at a festival. Can you imagine? Because I, I think I think she'd need to be in an internal venue full of people that already know what to expect. Yeah, yeah. If you pu- if you if you put her at like half past four on like a, on a stage somewhere outside. There'd be people tapping their shoulders, being like, "What is going on?"
0: Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, deaf yeah, is-
1: definitely need to be in a tent. <laughs> this
0: wouldn't work um,
1: on in an open uh, in an open arena yeah. setting. So, so this is the thing. So, it's, it's it's a it's a it's a strange one to review. Yeah, um, it's difficult to review. Did I enjoy it? No. Did I do like listening to it? No. I nah. I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, none of these songs have um, replay value for me. Um, I'm not going to be searching out many hands i'm not yeah. going to be i'm not going to be listening to the order of spiritual virgins in my, my my own time i'm not it's just it's just unsettling it makes me feel uncomfortable um but she's not she's not written it for me to enjoy it she's not written it for her audience to enjoy it. she's written it for her audience to experience it she's written to to, to create this to create this narrative and at, and at times and at moments that that is incredibly impactful and thought-provoking and interesting i recommend everybody listens to this once say that they have yeah to be able to talk about it and see the extremities of what music can be produced um, but I my, my, there's a practical and rather cynical side to me that thinks if it's not enjoyable and it's not got a, a clearly identifiable target audience and I wouldn't recommend it to other people even if it's important and impactful and interesting, is it ergo good? It's, it's a hard conversation to have and one that I'm still Clearly, as you can tell, wrestling with at the moment. I don't know if this is a good album or not at all. I, I don't know. It's successful at what it does. And does that by definition make it? I don't know. I'll tell saying. you one thing. Well, I'll tell you
0: one, like, really positive thing about the record for me. It does a lot with a little. Does that make, do you know what I mean there? Yeah, yeah. There's there's the, the, the musicians in here, like three. Yeah, but it, it, but it, it always sounds huge. Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot going on, and really that there, there isn't. There's like an instrumental minimalism to this album that gives it like a real horror house vibe. If Quentin Tarantino did a film about Christian evangelism, this this album would be the soundtrack to that film. Vince McMahon should hire her to write music for Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yeah, coincidentally, he just got released. But that, you know, that is a good point, though. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's that kind of vibe. Yeah. If Quentin Tarantino did a film about Christian evangelism, this album would be the same to it. And you know what, dude? This—it it sounds like we're really kind of copping out here. Is, it, is this good or not? For Lingo Rignota, like we, we talk about what's the target audience here. I think that's like trying to figure out what the target audience of the Metro is on the bus, and they can't they can't tell you because it's like people that use the bus, I guess, because Lingo Rignota. She, her following is completely through word of mouth. I heard of Caligula because I saw people on Twitter being like, "Oh my god, this album Caligula!" Like, try and get through this, try and sit through this, and then then I heard Riot Act podcast talking about it as well. And then I went into like the noise chat, and I was like, "Guys, there's this album called Caligula, and I've never heard anything like it." And then they were all listening to it, and like, "Wow, you're right!" It's I've never heard anything like. Literally, like her entire not entire fan base, but a large portion of her following is is through word of mouth.
1: So it's really hard so to say. The, so is the music, is the music and songs written for shock value then? Is is that her intended oh, purpose? Dude, Caligula had to be like,
0: obviously Caligula was, would, would have been this cathartic experience for her to write this letter to her abuser. Um, Good Lord. It's not, not it's not cathartic to listen to her, tell you that, but like, like for, for her, when she was writing Caligula, it had to be with the idea of shock value in mind. Like surely when you listen to some of the songs on Caligula, this less so this, I, I think we, I, we should make that point. This doesn't sound anything like not, not it's not completely separated from Caligula, but it doesn't even approach Caligula's extremity. This album doesn't. And, um, but, but, but there are still moments on it that make me feel really, really uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I Who Bend the Tall Grass, where yep. out of nowhere, she starts, like, I can't remember the lyric, take hold of my gentle and split him out. and she starts, like, really screaming it, like, out of nowhere, yeah. but not screaming it the same way, like, a metalcore vocalist would scream, like, a really dark, nasty, like, frightening <laughs> scream, and I'm listening to her, like, this is terrifying. Yeah. And it's, and those kind of things, like, dude, if people thought Black Sabbath's debut was scary in 1970, imagine if they heard this. They would be sleeping if they this in 1970.
1: People would not be sleeping. I, I wrote to my notes that this is meant to be enjoyed but survived. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just to to, just to get to to get to get through. So in that, right, in that in that circumstance. So it's a really strange thing. We should stop seeing this as an album. This is not a piece of music. This is a work of it's an artistic expression. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's good. Featuring some, it's featuring some music. Um. In the same way that some art is difficult to look at, but he's making an important point. Yeah, in in that in that circumstance, from that rationale, and that framework, it is eye opening. It is compelling. I mean, at no point are you bored. Nah. Um, listening to this, um, it's engaging. It's enticing. You want you listen to it and you think, oh, you need to find out more about it. It's mysterious. It's enigmatic. Um, it's it's wrapped in layers of just a combination of sort of horror and this I've, i think there's some like ironic humor going on about this as well i think there's a dark humor with the, some of the little voice notes that you hear mm. at the start mm. um i think there's a there's a there's a touch of wit and sarcasm about it um from a very very dark place and yeah i think this is i think music like this needs to exist i think it's important that it yeah. does and I think that there's 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 tremendous there's tremendous value in it to a, to a certain type of audience to a certain person type of person that wants music that is challenging, um, that wants music that he's interested to listen to that sounds like nothing that I've ever heard that, that 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 touches on some of the darkest corners of our society and tries to present them in a way that is that is tough to swallow and provide a challenge to an audience, and for that this is very successful. You're right that lingering that is going to be based on word of mouth. It's going to be based on, oh my god, you need to hear this, you need to check this out, and that is just a value, just a valuable a um, spreading mechanism. than, oh my god, this band are incredible and really durable, really fun and whatever. It's just a completely different emotion and vibe that you're tapping into. In the same way that you'd recommend a documentary um, about horrible crimes, like you know, like a Ted Bundy-style mm-hmm. bio pick. You watch it because it's interesting because it's enjoyable. Um, you watch horror films, not because, well, some people enjoy horror films, to be fair, they enjoy the thrill, they enjoy the fear. But there's, all, there's also, like, a, a pleasure to be taken from witnessing these sort of dark acts while also removing yourself. And if you listen to music and you want to feel that way and you enjoy the thrill of being exposed to strange settings and sounds and sensations without actually having to fully immerse yourself, into them in the way that the performers themselves have, then this is, this is, this is really important for that. Um, so uh, as well, think that on a, on a, on a side note, she's, she's doing a cracking job for independent female vocalists and sounding and, and being powerful and brave and courageous. And I'm assuming stringing this whole thing together and, and, and pushing her ideas and all this sort of stuff. It's 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 a it's a it's a fantastic symbol of what what can be what can be possible with the depth of courage. It's not in my wheelhouse. I don't think it's aimed for me. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I thought it was an important listen. It's absolutely engaging it's absolutely compelling it's really dark and completely unique and and, and we, we don't we review a lot of bands and we were just speaking last week about how you know, we've been down this road before with X Band, and we were talking about mm. Sleep wake, and We were saying that, you know, maybe in 2017, we'd feel differently. You could, we could be doing this for the 10 or 15 years. I'm not going to hear another band like this. No, I can hear nah. another album like this. And that in itself is enough to pull people in. And you need to be of a certain disposition, of a certain mindset um, to enjoy this. Um, but it is just a valuable piece of piece of art and artistic expression as any other i mean metal is metal alternative music is designed to be controversial yeah right just just because it's not packaged in the way that we're typically used to that doesn't make it less less valuable so i think this is incredibly successful at what it aims to achieve or what i assume it is i I, I said to achieve it absolutely does that it's incredibly atmospheric and really dark and really interesting
0: you mentioned immersion there i think that's a really interesting point to discuss about this album, because when you listen to Many Hands, I spoke about this earlier, there's not a lot going on on Many Hands, but I don't know if you picked up on this. There's a kind of like pulling, tweaking sound on like the guitar strings. And it gives off, gives off this effect that I, literally I was listening to it. I was like, I've never heard anything like this before. This deliberately is...
1: Deliberately out of tune guitars as well. Yeah, I was like, this is really,
0: really strange. And you know what, dude? When would be the best time for someone to listen to this album? Because you shouldn't listen to this when you're driving because you need to pay attention. But man, if you, when you sit and pay attention to this album, you're might really, driving to passing changes. It's it's really unsettling. So it's like when is the ideal time for someone to sit down with this? There really isn't one. This album is, is purposefully a challenge. I mean, there are there are, there are two songs on this record that are, that I feel like in the confines of this album, in the context of the album, are, like, kind of conventional. The Sacred liniment, liniment of Judgment and the Perpetual Flame of Centralia, that, that one, two are really powerful, even in their, like, quite drawn-back and passive nature. And they're probably the most standard sounds on the album in terms of vocal delivery and structure. But it's yes. still got that underlying sense of doom and pain that's really, like, obvious. There's, this album there's a there's underlying messages that you need to uncover but it also kind of puts the idea of pain and torment and distress right in your face and like pushes you right to the edge of your comfort level with it, and it, it it's one of those albums that you made a good point could we recommend this do you know I could recommend this it it's, it's in the same way as I can't recommend Caligula. It's a very important piece of music. Caligula is that I feel feel like everyone should try and experience. I could have recommended this this. album, but I like it. No, (laughs) yeah, that's the the conversation. You, 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 you won't. But that's, I guess, Sam, what what we're discussing here is this is a very effective form of art. Isn't it? This album. Yes, because it, it, it effective re- is a good word for it. It's effective. It, it forces, it forces an emotion out of you, and that what great—that's what great art does. It makes you feel something, and you—you you could put someone who is the who is the archetypal target audience for Radio One and enjoys easy listening pop music, right? That has and has pays no attention to alternative music. You could sit them down and play them this album. And even as someone who hasn't who hasn't got any interest in alternative music, they would this would evoke a, a, a feeling from them. It forces emotion from you. This album does,
1: and I this think would be that, horrifying for a pop music fan. Oh, oh god, yeah. I mean, whether if you, if you just listen to if you just listen to Radio One your entire life, and then you yeah. sat down with this for an hour and a half, I think you'd need therapy. <laughs> yeah, but
0: it would be would draw an amount. I think it would draw an emotion out of anyone. This album and. Maybe we like you said, maybe it's like, let's just stop. Let's, like we're going to review Lorna Shore in a minute. And we're going to, we're going to review that as a, as a music piece. This is like, we're talking, this as like an art form. And mm. I think this is, whether this is a good album or not is difficult for me to say. I didn't enjoy listening to it. I can't sit here and say it's not a good album. I think lingua ignator and christine's performance vocally is quite stunning mm-hmm. her range and the effect yeah. that she can have with a voice is is really really moving so I, I think I'd have to say that this is a good this is a very good record and a very good example of someone who's got unbelievable creative talent oh. she, she's a fantastic multi-instrumentalist and she's obviously classically trained which which obviously helps this album a lot. But this is effective art and not something I could pull someone to one side and say, oh, you like Nightwish? You should listen to Linguru Ignauta. There's just, there's no artist that someone could say they like for me to then say, oh, you like this artist? Maybe you'd like Linguru Ignauta. Actually, I'll say that. Um, there's a couple of like kind of um, dark folk artists like A.A. A. Williams. So maybe if you like like kind of black metal folk or dark folk, maybe that would be a link into Lingura Ignata for you. But for the most part, there's not many bands or artists that someone could mention to me that I'd then pull them aside and say, hey, if you like them, check this out. You can imagine the Spotify
1: recommendation be like, do you enjoy internal darkness? And school crushing misanthropy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. It, 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 it's, it's, that, it's that sort of thing. There's a type of emotional disposition where people enjoy feeling unsettled. Yeah. Well, it's why people go to those like really horrendous like torture experiences. Yeah, right. Where there's like they know that they're not going to die, but they enjoy the feeling of thrill and horror and pain and torment. And people, you know, people people like being taken to the extremities. And I think this is the musical equivalent to that. Um, this is this is a really, or oh, it's not a, not a tough listen in the sense that um, I couldn't get through it, but it was. It was unsettling. I'm glad I didn't listen to this with headphones. I'm glad I didn't do it that way. I'm I, I, a normal speaker and just sort of, it's along to it because I, I I I really think it would have been a a, a rather uncomfortable experience. It is, it is because I do um, headphones. Like, it is. You know what? The closest thing I ever heard to this when I was when I was growing up was Scissors and Prosthetics.
0: Mm, on the yeah, yeah.
1: album. Mm. And it's um, I remember listening to that on headphones and just reading the lyrics and just being like, what is this? Um, I didn't enjoy it, but I was like it was like so compelling. Um it was strange. Um because it taps into something internally. And there's a there's a place, there's a place for art that does that. Um I'm glad that we don't give ratings anymore because I wouldn't even know how to start oh, with. Oh god, this. where would we have begun? Um uh, I'd I'd have to genuinely like I don't know, like I'd have to just have it unrated, like because it's not how do you rank it against anything else? It's one of one. You know what I mean? Like, you have to rank it against other Lingua Ignota albums. Um, so that's that's an interesting question, then. I'll, I'll put it to you. Caligula's obviously more difficult to get through. Is this better than Caligula at the thing that they are both attempting to do? Oh, man. Um, I realize even that's a tough question.
0: I think. No, no. I'd say that I, I'd put Caligula over this album not in the sense that this album oh, it's, it's difficult like i put about i put caligula above this because caligula is it is like the unmovable force um it's it's the unstoppable force meets the immovable object like caligula is it, it's this beast of emotional torment the the, the message that it gets across and christine Hayter's ability to
1: discuss in detail her experiences with her abuser. More um, personal retelling rather than this like separate concept that she's attributing herself onto. Yeah. And but, like the way that she delivers it, it is just
0: horrible, horrible. It's horrendous. It's I've never, ever experienced anything like it before in my life. I, I'd probably be saying this I not in terms of being horrible or horrendous, had it not been for Caligula, I would probably be saying to you, I've never heard an album like this ever. The only reason why this isn't like a, a huge surprise for me is because I'd, I'd heard Caligula. The reason why I put this album for us into review is because I thought, right, well, Caligula was this really like upfront, in-your-face, insane album that, that was artistically unlike anything I'd heard. I'd love to know where she's gone from here. And this is a more drawn-back, haunting affair, and it's nowhere near as in-your-face. But it's still very confrontational, especially emotionally. I would put Caligula over this purely because you think this draws an emotion from you, dude. Listen to Caligula, you it's I can't describe it, it's horrifying. It's hard to outside,
1: I'll have to wait till at least tomorrow morning. Yeah,
0: wait till tomorrow morning, chuck Caligula on it. Although the time of day doesn't really matter, dude, it's horrible. It's a really, really difficult album, but very, like, it's artistically incredible, like, how it's been delivered, and how she's thought of it, and how she's... Catch, catch me weeping on a bike ride right <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> or just, like, stood and st- sat in the middle of the road listening to it. Um, Or, like, the way that she's kind of, the way that she has taken her torment and put music to it, which artists do a lot, of course, it's like a cathartic exorcism for them, but for her she speaks about real specifics there's no there's there's no there's no metaphor in it she talks specifically about her experience during the abuse how how her body felt during certain periods of the abuse happening to her it's horrendous (laughs) Got it. horrendous <laughs> so like I-, I would put caligula over this in terms of the emotion that it brings for you and the- and it's effectiveness as an art form but i think this is an effective record that is is very good w- creatively intelligent she's an incredible vocalist she's got such a stunning range yes yeah, she is she and is. this is this is one of those things where like i couldn't recommend it to people but i think it's something that if you're into alternative music you should experience at least once it's like riding the pepsi Max. You know what I mean? You should experience it at least once in your life, whether you like whether you scared scared of heights or not. Just experience it once. I would
1: I would compare it more to like the Imperial War Museum. <laughs> yeah, Where it's like it's yeah. like are you, you going to enjoy it now? Do I need to see it? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Th- this is this is um unlike anything I have ever heard, and I'm unlikely to hear again until the next Linkweger Ignata record that I'm assuming we're probably going to review and have the yeah. same head scratching, baffling conversation about it
0: um yeah is that the most useless review we've ever done sam <laughs> it might be we didn't even couldn't even tell anyone whether it's good or not possibly but can you imagine the pr listeners this be like do they even like it then <laughs> yeah. amazing not, not a clue we're really sorry i didn't think i'd ever say this sam let's talk about something more positive and it's a deathcore band how about that um lorna Shores and i return to nothingness it is out on august 13th via century media records Lorna are absolutely one of the best bands in deathcore. Unbelievably talented. We had actually their guitarist, Adam D'Amico, as a guest on a previous Chris Meats of the podcast. And he's a great guy, really talented guitarist and really cool to chat to, he was. And they've had some absolutely like awful luck. The original vocalist, Tom Barber, left and was replaced by CJ McCreary. They released this really, really good uh, album called Immortal in 2020 with CJ doing the vocals. Then allegations surfaced around him. He was removed from the band. And since then, they were kind of stuck in a state of limbo, and you know you had to wonder exactly what the future was going to hold for them. I always thought they would search and get another vocalist in, but such horrendous look for, and such such a short time span of that look, that horrendous look to take place in. You just think, you know what? If these guys think right, we're done. I would understand. But my God, Sam, with, with Real Ramos at the vocal booth now, what an EP this is! This is really. Really brilliant. I love this EP, mate. If this was an album, this would be the album of the year. Mate, this is absolutely hard. incredible. This EP is three songs. Will Ramos is, Will Ramos is Satan. <laughs> he is. What an astonishing, astonishing vocalist. Three songs really long. long yeah. One of them is To The Hellfire, which has been out for a few weeks. And... You know, to the hellfire was immediately the talk of the town because of like the unbelievable borderline hilarious extremity of it, especially in that final breakdown. But I went into this EP, Sam, kind of hoping that at the very least it would give me a reason to be optimistic about Lorna Shaw's future. But actually, Sam, I've never been more excited. This doesn't just make me optimistic. This is like, oh, my God, Lorna Shaw this is the best Lauren Shore I've ever been. They When they do an album of this, they're going to be the best band in deathcore. And f- imagine me saying that. I was literally saying a few weeks ago, nothing better than No Lifeblood by Brand of Sacrifice. But then I was thinking, oh, Slaughter to Prevail, I've got an album coming out, that might get really good. And then it's like, um, oh, Shadow of Intent might drop an album. And then it's like, oh, if Lauren Shaw do an album, we've we got this point where it's like, man, who's your, pick your fighter for deathcore, because there's about six or seven bands that are all amazing and all seem to be hitting their peak and hitting the stride at the same time.
1: And completely agree, completely agree. The, completely agree. I, think, I think I've never heard an album as, as an EP as good as this. Where I've immediately been able to match it up with the Shadow of Intent record from two or three years ago. Where I'm immediately thinking if this was an album longer, it'd be like neck and neck. And That's how good that is.
0: The horrifyingly heavy breakdown of To the Hellfire obviously did the rounds on social media and as awesome and cool as it is, I was kind of worried that that one breakdown might end up being all that Lorna Shaw couldn't even be remembered for from this EP in the same vein as if you mention the Shadow of Intent to someone who pays attention to deathcore, but isn't like someone that would like trawl through it like me and you do. Their response would be, oh, the band that did her- The Heretic Prevails and you'd be like, oh, yeah, but there's so much more than that. Do you know what I mean? And I, because of the way that to the health I was picked up and everyone talking about like the snort and the horrible sound and the breakdown and stuff, I was worried that that's all Lord and Sure would be pigeonholed into the band that did that breakdown. But, mate, this EP is phenomenal. And the orchestral opening of, of the title track on a return to nothingness wow, mate, how stunning is this
1: EP, man? Incredible, absolutely incredible. Um what this does that completely blew me out of the water is it's obviously it's obviously crushingly heavy. That's a given. Um, we've all heard to that. We've all heard to the hellfire. That's we, you, you mentioned. That was like a social media sensation because it it did. It did really sound like we were, we were torturing like a, a ghost or something that was going on in the background. It was just, <laughs> just absurd. But there's real melody and beauty mm-hmm. here. And it mel- it molds perfectly with the blast beats and the fast paced nature this is this really is deathcore at its absolute best where it starts to merge into like new like new wave of black metal and a little bit of melodic death metal and a little bit of symphonic death metal and all those sort of those sort of tangential ideas sort of converge together in this this one sort of sound um but on top of that as well the chorus is huge yeah Right there, the right down is fantastic. The guitar solo is incredible. The opening guitar solo on that first track is just mind blowing. Um, immediately just blowing anything else out of the water um, in, terms of, in terms of what you expect or what you, you've you come to sort of expect from a typical deathcore song. It contains every element that you want to hear from deathcore and death metal, but it seems to do it as, as just a completely different right with a polish and a sheen and just um, a real craft. And I felt the same way with the, with the next song, Of The Abyss. Um, the Alongside the musicianship, what really, really stands out is that these songs are meticulously and beautifully structured. Really, really, really well pieced together. Just utterly stunning to listen to. Um, I've never really heard a Deathcore album that is so immediately, or the, the EP, sorry, so immediately easy to latch on to, so mm-hmm. immediately engaged and compelling. Now, I we we love um, Shadow of the Tem- we love Humanity's Last Breath, and, and, and even like bands that we reviewed that are sort of tangential to this like cognitive and things like that. We love those, but you have to give those a couple of listens to to be like, oh, this thing, this, this. I've never heard a band where so much is going on, and it's so easy to follow. Mm. Like That's a good there's point. a really there's a really clear blueprint, but not in like a formulaic kind of way, but like I don't know how to describe it. it. It's 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 like easy to follow chaos. Like it's 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 really really well well ordered and structured and really 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 well written, um, from 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 start to finish, to the point where obviously the, the the vocalist is is insane. Will Ramos is 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 one of the best vocalists for this type of music I have ever heard. Mm. But he doesn't carry this album. He's just one cog in a terrific terrific cohesive unit because the guitar work is sensational. The atmospherics are amazing. The drums are obviously a given. death call drummer. I mean, he's, he's a machine, essentially. Sting Archer, um, yeah, he's brilliant. The, 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 you know, we, we keep saying the ceiling just keeps getting raised and raised and raised in terms of what what is capable, what is, what is, what is acceptable and what is required for this type of music now is just the, the ceiling is just higher than it has ever been. Um, it's just, it's utterly stunning. But what, what really makes it stand out for me is every death band on the planet can write a breakdown can you write a song and yeah. and 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 you and, and, us- and, us- and usually and usually i get all right here's the breakdown the bit that we, we really like and here's some other stuff that fills time before it starts and after it finishes um and it's just sort of i'm just waiting around for the for the main riff and we've, we've said this a few times you know where where like um we're like we kind of just feel like we're just just getting back to the, the breakdown. And that's, once that's happened, it's like we're kind of just um, repeating, repeating ourselves. It gets a little bit mundane. These are well-written songs of which breakdowns and death call growls and mosh calls are parts of rather than me feeling that it's like the soul thing. Mm. The whole song is geared around and everything else is just killing time. And I think that that's really going to separate Lorna Shaw because like I say, I always talk about Shadow of Intent as the bar for me because I never really was a massive symphonic death metal fan at all. And I adore that album and I really love that band now. And because of the way that it's packaged, produced and written, it's it's immediately engaging, compelling, and it's, it's good enough to pull in different types of metal fans, such as myself, and I get the same vibe here. Lorna Shaw are a band that you could show someone who does not like death metal or deathcore usually and I feel that they, they can ice they can some metal fan in. I think if, you, if you're if you a massive fan of a, a, collect, a collection of metalcore bands, if you're a big alpha wolf guy or knock loose and you're like hardcore or you're like employed to surf, I think I could show you Lorna Shaw. I yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And there's elements that you'd enjoy that also would be, you know, entry level stuff into elements that you'd enjoy other things as well. And I think that would open up for you. And those bands are so important for the scene. Um Obviously it's a it's a it's a three-track EP so it that that's, has to be contextualised. Um but if this if there was if they if they could produce an album of like where eight out of ten of the songs are in the in the neighbourhood of how good these three are, we are absolutely talking about an album of the year, contender and one mm-hmm. of the best albums of the last few years. That's how good definitely these three tracks are. It's astonishing. Mate. The
0: way that the the orchestra of the title track is used as like a melodic hook is genius because it's pushed against the raging death core that's behind it. So it's it's this really, like you said, it's really easy to follow. It's got this real hook and cleanliness to it, even though it's this horrifying scratching death chord rager. Will Ramos immediately makes his presence felt on the EP and the, on the title track. And the way the Simpson and orchestra act as, like, a backbone makes the sound massive. Like, I think this is the best produced death deathcore effort I've heard in, for mate, years. Problem. It's definitely up there with Melancholy by Shadow Intent in terms of production. The way this has been produced, mate, it sounds absolutely huge. Pretty well produced
1: as well. I'll, I'll give a shout to Uzziah. And yeah, uh, yeah, sure. a size loss is
0: really well produced. Austin Archer's kick drum—it sounds amazing, <laughs> like, like it's unbelievable. Like the moments where it slows down and he does like a kick drum or a slam on his snare—it sounds massive. Like it is literally gonna. It sounds like well, I thought my headphones were gonna blow up. It sounds that loud and tight. You would talk about oh, right. the abyss, mate. I love a gospel choir in deathcore. I do. Yeah. Love a gospel but the thing choir. Is when
1: it's done when it's done well and doesn't yeah. feel cheesy. It's so um, effective that, when used right. Yeah. Absolutely. And the same with the symphonic stuff. Sometimes I hear it and I'm like, oh God, here we go. Um and, and I don't feel that at all. Like it 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 added colour to the music and depth and was was it's not it's not overused. It's not there for the sake of it. I, honestly, man, this is stunning.
0: Stunning. Mate, people are gonna lose their minds when they hear this EP. I'm. I'm yeah. certain they're going to be. To the Hellfire, this...
1: I think, is the third best song on this EP.
0: I, oh my god, I was literally going to say that. Like, I was worried that To the Hellfire kind of that it was Lorna ashore, throwing the most extreme thing out there to try and get attention on them, and the rest of the EP wouldn't be up to scratch. Uh, to the Hellfire is the third best song on the EP. The title track is the mo- one of the most stunning deathcore songs I've ever heard. It is absolutely yeah. incredible, and to the Hellfire is a great, great song. And the final, the closing breakdown is literally an extremity level that I've never experienced. But it's the third best song on here, and that is yeah. saying something. That is yeah. saying something. Absolutely, three, three, ten out of ten songs,
1: just across 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 the board from musicianship to songwriting to structure to impact to production to everything. It is honestly like there is no flaws from from what from, from what. From what a deathcore song can be, should be, could be, this ticks every conceivable box. This is, its perfect. Do you like? Do you like? Do you like extreme metal? Yeah. Well, this does everything you like about extreme metal, as well as you've ever heard it. It's got the technical—the technical lead mastery. It's got the deathcore breakdowns. It's got incredible, massive choruses. It's got symphonic elements. It's, it's everything. It's—it's it's the whole—all the whole table has just been taken. It's uh, mate, I I don't even know what more to say about this. This is a a, a deathcore rollercoaster, man. This is just extraordinary.
0: Lorna Shaw, mate, have just become for me the most exciting band in deathcore. Yeah, because what follows this, the album that follows this, is going to be the most sought after thing in deathcore. Like, you know, like Slaughter to Prevail which we're reviewing next week, it really feels like there's a hype and a real energy and a real momentum behind them. Imagine when Lorna Shaw decided to follow this up. This wow. is going to, it made, that album is going to be the most sought after thing in deathcore. It's going to be huge because this EP is going to blow people away. And Adam D'Amico has said, he said in like the press notes that we got sent with the album, with the EP that like, because of the situation they were in, where it was like, are we even going to be able to carry on? They decided to just throw everything at the wall and just try ideas they've never done before. Like the orchestra, like the gospel choirs on, of the, on the track of the abyss. And it's genius. It's amazing. I can't say enough about this EP. It's absolutely incredible. Lorna Shore are the most exciting band in deathcore right now because of this. Whatever and follows this is going to be absolutely huge, and I'm I'm so happy for them because they've always been brilliant, and they got dealt a really tough hand. But the way they've come back from receiving that tough hand to build this—it's the best thing they've ever done. Will Ramos is the best vocalist they've had. Adam D'Amico's guitar has never sounded better, and that is saying something because he's an incredible guitarist. This is amazing. I'm so I'm so excited. This is incredible.
1: Completely agree. I think it's as well. It's it's a it's a lovely it's a lovely symbol of of, of a band being rewarded despite the the misfortune that they've experienced, um, and it's a it's a it's a testament to taking risks. Yeah. Um, if you if you if you believe if you believe in something, you want to try something new. Yeah. Go for it, and that they are. At the moment, I think, well, we'll be reaping the rewards of this when, when this becomes mainstream and this becomes heard around the oh, around the old, around the alternative world. Um that that <laughs> that day on Twitter is gonna be really, really, mate, really interesting. August thirteenth,
0: Deathcore Twitter is gonna talk about nothing but this EP. And you know what? Good for Lorna Shaw, man. Good for, for Lorna Shaw. They so deserve this. Amazing, what an EP! What an exciting, amazing band. That is where we're going to leave off. Um, episode 76 of the noise podcast. Before my interview with Johnny Mathers comes in, we are going to be back next week. We are going to be reviewing the new Slaughter to Prevail album Cost So, Sam, as excited as we have just been listening, talking about Lorna Shaw, mate, I'm really excited to hear to Cost because me and you are a big Slaughter to Prevail fans, and I'm very, very interested to see uh, the, the same thing for. Slaughter of avail like i was talking about with lord and shores to the hellfire everyone talks about demolisher don't they? for slaughter to prevail demolisher is is their like duality for slipknot kind of thing so i'm curious if cost alarm can be an album that is more than just demolisher and other songs Plus. surrounding it yeah so that is going to be next when will really well this is going to come out this episode is going to be out on the 3rd of august So I am going to release the Slaughter to Prevail review on the 10th of August. So we are going to be back on the 10th of August, that's Slaughter to Prevail review. Thank you, as always, for your listens. Really, really appreciate that. Follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Subscribe or like or follow, depending on which service you are using for your podcast. Thank you very much. My interview with Jamie Mathers from Dude Trips comes up right now. Thank you for listening. We love you and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. So I'm there, joined by Jamie Mathers of Dude Trips, a band that I've listened to for years. I'm so buzzing to finally chat (laughs) to you, mate. How are you getting on, man? Thank you for coming on.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm buzzing as well. I've been doing all right. Mate,
0: it's one of those things like, look, I tried tried to speak to you um, or one of the band went through Love and Death. Came out, but like you guys, I couldn't get hold of you. And you were so busy around that time, like you, I couldn't manage to fit in with like the PR and stuff. So I'm glad to finally get this chance to talk to you. But it's one of those things where like I might only be getting this chance because of the pandemic, right? Because you you can't you're not as busy as you would have been if the pandemic hadn't happened. So it's like catch twenty two thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I actually remember we tried to set up something around the through love and death. Yeah. Um, but I think we were it was on the release day or the yeah, day after nightmare yeah it was one yeah of them we were like on hmv to... and then we played our show later so it was all a bit hectic
0: mate for me to have even tried to get it around the your ep release just, that's stupid of me that is a, why would i even <laughs> try that but hey uh better late than never man um yeah absolutely to, to start this off like i've always been quite fascinated in terms of where you guys are from um yeah it's like I like to think I'm from Wolverhampton, right? So, like, and I think that Wolverhampton is this kind of small, ignored city, but Wolverhampton's got a population of like 250,000 people. Uh, mm-hmm. You're from like Fraserburgh. Uh, which is like yeah. 13,000 people. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, because I, I I feel like Wolverhampton is ignored, but we're like a city with 200, feet, half a, mi- a quarter of a million people in. So like yeah. you living in with like 13,000 people in this small little town in the northeast of Scotland. Do you feel mm-hmm. like really isolated from any possibility of like real change because you're so far away from everything? Yeah,
2: definitely. There's like, it's a bit small minded here as well. So like, for us to be a band and get out there uh, like the music we play we head to Aberdeen mm. is, the, is the closest place um, then it's like Glasgow and whatever um, but like recently well pre-pandemic uh, it's been alright, we've been welcomed uh, quite well in Fraserburgh like just like lo- the local boys you know um, but it is been quite difficult especially to start a band Hmm. um it's difficult here um because the, the main place you go straight to is Aberdeen and get shows there.
0: I was speaking to uh Ross from Cold Years um, yeah. when their when their record came in. Now I forgot I forgot where he said they're from in Scotland off the top of my head, but it, it was it was somewhere where like he said basically if you don't like this, but if you like, like in Fraser Breath, from what I've read up, it's like if you don't like shellfish, it's gonna be difficult for you here because like <laughs> yeah. you might like that's one of the main like imports and exports, right? And he was saying mm. that like because of that, where he was from in Scotland, not necessarily like shellfish specifically, but there was some like kind of industry that was really popular where he was from in Scotland. And so if you're not interested in this people can't understand that you could want to yeah. do anything else. Like, so, oh, you're in a band. Why well, would you want to do that? You could work with shellfish. Do you, do you know what I mean? Is, is yeah, it like no, that no, in Fraserburgh?
2: Um, It used to be quite a lot like that, but it is changing now. Um, it's either like you go offshore or uh, you're in the fishing industry, really. Um, it used to be more like that. Um, but I think it's more accepting to everything now. Has
0: Brexit played any part in... Do you think in the idea of possible people expanding their minds and accepting that there's more to life than shellfish or something like that? Has Brexit uh, played any part, to your knowledge? Uh, not that I
2: know of. Um, obviously, in the fishing industry and everything, it's it's affected that. Yeah. Um,
0: but I don't think so. Uh, to be honest. We can. I'll come back to you in a few years and ask you that again and see where yeah, yeah. it lies there. Um, <laughs> yeah. In a sense, like because because you do you feel like the small community feeling was kind of vital to the existence of dude trips though. Like do you feel like the kind of that disconnect from a real city where you will see things changing quite regularly? Do you feel like that disconnect helped kind of birth the inspiration for the band to come together?
2: Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, so we just I don't know uh how you would say it. Um yeah, it definitely helped us uh come together and try and push out of our hometown, I guess. Yeah. Um but then I don't want to slag off my hometown because, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um because now we have quite a big following here as well, yeah, which is always nice.
0: Was it was it one of those things where like, you guys came together in a room and it was like oh man like we we're in this small town it'd be great if we could break out and that was like the main one or one of the first inspirations to really like try and break out of your hometown again not to criticise your hometown just talking no, about no, the yeah. idea of br- breaking into something bigger than this small town in the northeast of Scotland.
2: Um, to start with, it all just came down to like there were three of us. Um, mm. We didn't have the drummer at the time when we started. Um, and the the actual goal was just to play a show um, at the venue called Tunnels in Aberdeen because um, we had been going for so long for so many years watching bands and uh, that was the only really goal we had was imagine we got to play in that stage mm. so let's try and do it um, so I guess it was like break out, do that and whatever came after, uh, we were happy
0: with. So, You've probably had this or will have this in several interviews to come. But mm-hmm. living in a small town throughout the last year, have you witnessed a stronger sense of community? Because I, I can honestly say living here that I mostly haven't really. I haven't okay. really seen, uh, apart from we all came together kind of and saved at our local like metal nightclub. Um, or like, a lot of us donated, raised like, nearly 20 grand for it, which has you know really helped it out. Apart from that, I haven't really noticed any real like sense of community or any kind of improvement to the sense of community or lack thereof that I felt two years ago. How about in Fraser, brother? Because it's a smaller town. Do you feel like there's been a yeah. real like uplift of community spirit in the last year?
2: There definitely has been, yeah. Um, uh, With raising money and doing stuff for the town, there's definitely been a lot more of that. Especially over the pandemic.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. Like, because mm-hmm. I don't know what that's like, really. Do you know what I mm-hmm.
2: mean? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah.
0: It it sounds like like a bit of a strange question, but like one of the things that really drew drew me to do trips, like when I first started listening to the band, is that a lot of the time, like I really understand what you're saying, what you're trying to get across, and um, and sometimes like, I've even experienced what you discuss myself. So for you guys, when you get to the writing process, does it have to feel real to you? Like, Do you feel like you could ever write about a concept? Or for you, does it have to be something that you felt or have experienced to be worthwhile putting down? Um, Definitely agree with uh, we have to experience.
2: It has to be like a real-life story that we write about or else we can't put 100% into it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we've always been like that, and I think we always will as well. Um, it would be very difficult to write like a concept idea.
0: I think it was you that I saw say this. Uh, You were in an interview talking about uh, 91, and that was a song that lyrically you'd had in your head for a while, but you hadn't like put a song to it. And then, you know, you get sent a couple of riffs and you're like, oh, I think this would finally work. Um, Mm And when you get, when we talk about You're the Reason I Ain't Leaving, I'm assuming that both Leaving and Gentle were both experienced more recently and we'll discuss the lyrical content of those songs later. But was 1964 a similar process to 91 where someone's had that song in their head for a while or was it like a more spontaneous decision to add to the EP once you knew you were going to write something new? Um, Definitely had that for a while. Like, not the song per se, but
2: the idea of writing a song about it. Um, It's just one of them again, like 91. Uh, just do not know how to put it into words, like get it out of my head. And uh, it was just writing one day and then it just all spilled out. I love
0: it when that happens as well. <laughs> do you know what? I was going to ask you this, like, because mm-hmm. that's obviously quite an uplifting, cathartic moment for you when it finally all comes together. But for you to kind of sit on the idea of, oh, I really want to figure out a way to get this across, but not be able to find the way to get it across mate that must be like so tiring like to have this idea that's just sitting there cooking and you're just waiting to find the right thing to get across is that tiring that you want to say something but you're figuring out the best way to say it and that's a struggle
2: yeah it is it can run you down like 100 i'm sure like sean's the same sean the other singer um but i mean when we have an inkling of idea i'll either like show sean he'll show me and then we'll kind of spur each other on as well um, but if we're not doing that, and it's definitely really hard, like brain's just like
0: <laughs> and then once you do get to that, but like for, when you finally got that process for ninety one down. Mm-hmm. Do you, were you like this is the best feeling in the world that I finally managed to obviously the yeah. the, the content of the song is quite dark but what I mean is that mm-hmm. for you to finally get to that point where it's like right this works for this song I can finally say this now that was yeah. like,
2: really cathartic for you is it? Oh 100% like uh, just that feeling of like it's finally there uh, finally got it out
0: what I needed to say um, it definitely helps if I remember correctly, uh, Sad Boys was in 2017. Sad Lads. S- sad Lads, Sad Boys. Yeah. <laughs> sad Lads. <laughs> sad Lads That's in cool. 2017. Um, since then, you've had a lot of studio experience in four years. And usually yeah. the cycle comes, a record comes out every two years. Um, mm-hmm. Was there any particular reason you went down the AP route again, for your the reason I hate leaving? Or was this like you wanted to get like an introductory effort for them records? Before you go away and write a full length?
2: Um, we actually recorded it before, like, we spoke to Van Records.
0: Ah, right. Um, okay.
2: Yeah. Um, we had, like, we were, like, chatting about, like, what we should do next, whether we should do an album, EP. And then we just wrote songs. And I think we just had enough for an album. But instead of putting out an album with some songs where maybe, like, hmm does it fit or is it good enough? Mm. We went down the route with, uh, let's make the best EP we possibly can.
0: You're a band that like is pretty much in their infancy, right? You know, despite all the studio time that I've just mentioned, Mm
1: -hmm. we're only
0: one full record in, and I'm sure we've got more to come. You've just alluded to the fact that we've got more to come. Mm. What has the progression been like in terms of you as musicians and people? in general, between Sad Lads and now, ne- have you felt a progression every uh, time you've gone back in the studio?
2: Yeah, I mean, every time we write it's different as well Um, we try and change it up, we try new things all the time Um, and I think that helps us grow as band and people and writing together because like the first EP was written just three, three of us mm. and then second EP uh, drummer like was properly involved. And then he brought more at the table than just everyone pitching their ideas as much as possible. It's definitely helped us grow.
0: What I kind of like is that as a listener, like I I can see you guys, because you were like kids pretty much like when this first started, you were like early teenage, like late teens, early twenties and stuff. But then Mm -hmm. when through love and death came out and I listened to documentaries I was like, that song I was like, I totally get this. Like this song makes so much sense to me. I understand every single thing they are saying. And that must be so cool for you to kind of, you're growing up with mm-hmm. kind of your fan base as well. So they really yeah. get it. Like they understand exactly what, like documentaries, I'm sure you wrote that song about me. Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, like, yeah I it must be so cool for you to be like, you know that your fan base, they get it. They understand because they're, they're experiencing this with you. We're, we're growing together, like.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah like um almost all of our songs are kind of like give that feeling of someone whether it's one person or a hundred people can relate to and uh when we play live as well like it really shows Mm -hmm. and uh it's a great feeling that we're maybe not helping someone but like at least they know how 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 it is you know and uh yeah, it's good. Yeah, love that.
0: Wanted to fast forward a little bit because uh, we we haven't really spoke about you're the reason I hate leaving, uh, which is a tremendous EP, by the way. Congratulations, love it. Thank I you would. so much. Um, Thank you, mate. Palola. Um, I feel like more than any other track, that is a real showcase of the musical progress that has been made. And that's not to say that there was progress that needed to be made because for, for love and, Um through love and death wasn't good enough. What I mean is like there are song ideas. In that's in in Palau that I've never heard you guys do before. There's like, you've, mm-hmm. it's got that classic uplifting emo vibe that you guys have pulled off on every release, but it's also got these like huge punk rock clean chords that really move your sound forward. And mm. when I first heard it, I was like, wow, this is so cool. They've gone down like a real punk rock route here. And what was the process of putting that track like together? And did you guys feel like that's was a that track's like a real spotlight of where you've come or how you've got yeah. here?
2: Yeah, like. That was one of the first ones we demoed and uh, coming off the back of our last album, we wanted to try, like, do something different, not like, oh, let's just not, let's just make the the songs that are similar to the last one. And um, so it's Sean, it's Sean's idea. It was his whole idea and we all added to it. Um, and like the topic is kind of opposite of what we usually write. Like, we usually write breakup songs, sad songs. Yeah. Mm. And this is like a like getting with someone song, like a new relationship. Yeah. So I think we thought, like, let's spin it on its head because it's already spun and uh, try new things. And uh, we actually thought that was going to be the first single as well uh, when
0: writing. Um, but yeah, it's a banger mate i love that you haven't done it as a single because Mm -hmm. um mate people are gonna not know that song exists they're gonna listen to that and they're gonna be like wow this is so cool man those like those punk rock clean chords that come in are are so wicked i didn't see it coming at all man so like and like like, because i've been listening to you for a few years to experience that is so cool i was absolutely hyped man when i heard that song i was like this is so sick oh thanks man appreciate that I mentioned earlier that I wanted to come back to uh, Leaving and Gentle, Uh, the two songs that kind of bookend You're the Reason I Hate Leaving. Um, I'm assuming uh, that song is about, those songs are about Sean's pet, judging by the video.
2: Yeah, yeah. Both songs are about his dog, yeah.
0: Yeah. So like, and this, obviously, this interview is about me, it's about you, but like, I lost a pet about a year and a half ago. Uh, Every emotion that gets described in that song just like on documentaries is something that i remember and can relate to like i've never before or never since felt heartbreak like i felt on that day um off the top of my head i can't think of many tracks by any band that has openly discussed the loss of a pet which is considering it's an experience that most of us go through i'm I'm quite surprised actually that not a lot of bands seem to like discuss it um obviously Mm -hmm. it was it was sean's pet so obviously you in terms of the lyrical concept, you yeah. wouldn't know that exactly how he's feeling, etc. But mm-hmm. for you guys, was it like Sean's come to you be like, listen, man, I really want to write a song about this. And then you guys like, right, you just take it away. You write mm-hmm. the lyrics. It's all on you. And we'll just find something that fits around what you are trying to say.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Like, he didn't even come to us and say, I'm, I need to write this. Like, I already knew he was going to, like, it was something close to him and uh, I remember some of the lyrics getting thrown to me like now and again um, but I didn't want to chip in at all mm. because I felt it was too so I just left him to it and uh, he came I think it was the last one that was actually demoed <clears throat> just a few days before we went to record and it was just everybody scrambling in ideas um, in that day or two and I think it We, we coming to write that song, I think we complimented it rather than throwing all of our ideas. We just wanted to make it
0: as just nice, you know what I mean. I feel like you know, losing like a pet or like a loved one obviously, like there's really not many worse things you will ever experience, but like you, you know, I do feel like you truly learn something new about yourself coming out of that experience because of that and because because obviously Sean's got something that he wants to say. Like you said, was there like a a kind of unspoken agreement that we're not going to try and chip in, we're going to leave it to him to get across what he wants to get across and we're not going to try and input? Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened, really, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just as we kind of start wrapping things up here, like, you know, you spent the last four years as a band being really openly... I'm really open about the emotional experiences of a young adult like mm-hmm. and and I, I really feel like there's not many bands that i've listened to that really capture my understanding of the emotional experience of a young adult better than than yourselves and there's because there's so many songs that you guys have written like, i totally get exactly what they're saying mm-hmm. the older people get the more experiences they encounter and the more their perspectives change. Do you, do you see yourself as a band? I know this is difficult for you to say because I'm asking you to kind of look into the, look into the crystal ball <laughs> and make a guess. Like, But yeah. do you see yourself as a band who in five years would be writing songs about being in the 30s like the Menzingers do? Like picking up your current writing style and just carrying it through the ages with yourself? Do you see that as the process that you would probably take and go through? Um, I haven't really thought about
2: that far. Uh, but if I was to try and... Yeah, I think probably um, it would have to be like stuff we're going through at the time mm. um, that we write about. Um, I think we'll always do that, but we're big fans of the Menzingers as well. So oh, they're, they're amazing. Like...
0: Love the Menzingers. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> it's Perspectives are really important, isn't it? Because like, your, your ideas of the emotional experience of a young adult will be totally different. To someone else's. However, I do feel like there's something really capturing about the idea of us all experiencing the same kind of things around the same time. And for that, like when you get that emotional connection and you see that come across live. Like I'm not musically talented at all. I just love talking about music. So I can't imagine how great it must feel. Like you know, I'm sitting and saying, "Dude, I totally get documentaries." that must feel like so like liberating when like, not because it's me, just any fan that's like, I really understand what you're getting across. I can't imagine anything's more liberating than that. Just so buzzing to know that someone's got it and that you've helped their experience like.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like trying to say something, no one's listening. But then when they say, I get it, it's like, finally you've listened. like, not and we need them to, but it's just a relief. Like,
0: oh, like, Nothing better in the world. Good feeling. Just as I said, we're going to start closing up in a second. I started to ask you questions again. Um, no, but, no, carry on. But like, I, in like the press notes for the EP, something mm-hmm. caught my eye that I, you were talking about, like the lack of like help for people uh, mentally, uh, people living in yeah. Fraserburgh. Mm-hmm. And we kind of spoke about this at the start when I was talking about, do you feel isolated? Now, like I said, Wolverhampton, help isn't great here but it does exist big city two hundred fifty thousand people how bad is that in Fraserburgh is it literally like if you need like like mental help in any way it's a real challenge
2: um there there is help in Fraserburgh um and I don't think the it's not the um, it's not the organisation that helps people. It's not their right. fault, really. Like, it's just there's very little of them. Right. And and I also think what comes into play is a lot of people up here, they're very, like, they wouldn't ask for help.
0: Ah, right. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, um. It's a real struggle, like, to open up, um, especially where we live, I think.
0: So is it more of... So it's like a 50% problem with resources and a 50% yeah. problem of not enough people are speaking up for them, yeah. the, the, those in charge to know that they need more resources. Is it yeah, like 50-50, those scales balance perfectly?
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's what I would say. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's something that like we would hope would change with the times, right? Because I, I don't know about mm-hmm. you, uh, I'm I'm 28. Dude, yeah. like 10 years ago, I don't remember anyone talking about mental health. No, me either. It was like, dude, like when I was in school, it was not a, it wasn't, obviously I knew what depression was, but it was Mm -hmm. not a conversation. We didn't, I didn't even know what it was. Like it was really like, it's a new conversation, is it? So we would hope that our children's children Mm -hmm. would, would have a much better setup because we've kind of been the generation that kind of pushed that through. It's the same thing, I guess, like in terms of the early 1900s, there was no like housing. (laughs) So that generation had to go through there being no housing for Us mm-hmm. to be able to enjoy housing, kind of thing, uh, and yeah. I would hope that our children's children would have it better. But, yeah, dude, by the same, people have got to speak up, yeah, in Fraserburgh for that to change.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree, and uh, it's sad when they don't, and there's not enough time to help, you know. Um, but I'm sure with the times it'll get better, and the resources can only get better
0: as well as much yeah. as we push it do you and promise i oh, seriously this is where we're going to leave off <laughs> um but do you <laughs> like after what we've discussed and everything do you feel like actually Fridays are bros probably the perfect place for dude trips to have existed from because of the way the, the the how we've spoke you spoke about your previous experiences the way yeah. the band has been birthed what the band talk about actually there's probably no better place for you to have come from right
2: yeah yeah i mean it's made us who we are and uh what we've been through so Without what we've been through, there wouldn't be a do trip song. So amazing, I, I dude!
0: Helped. I am going to now put you through uh, the same thing that I put every guest on the Noise Podcast through, which is what we call the quick fire oh, round. I've
2: listened to this before.
0: So. <laughs> um, I'm just going to get my uh, brilliant, so you know what's coming. I'm going to get my timer set up here, uh, so we can yep. see how you do. Uh, clock. Stopwatch. Right, okay, dude. So, uh, brilliant. You already know what's coming. 20 questions, multiple choice. See how quickly you can make these choices, mate. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's go. Batman or <laughs> Superman? Superman. Tea or coffee? Tea. Chocolate kept in or out of the fridge? Out. Your favourite dude trip song? Um, right now, Gentle. My Chemical Romance will take him back Sunday. <sighs>
2: My chemical romance.
0: Soap opera is good or bad? Uh, bad. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too cold. The hardest dude trip song to write?
2: Through Love and Death.
0: Best live show you've ever seen?
2: Green Day, Tea in the Park, two thousand. Oh, I love
0: that. That's a good. That sounds like a wicked one. Mm-hmm. Uh, best live show you've ever played.
2: Um, through Love and Death release show. i will go with that.
0: The band member that's most fun to be around in the studio. You can say it yourself if you'd like.
2: Uh, <laughs> um, Mitch, our drummer.
0: Uh, your favorite band?
2: Uh, series.
0: Marvel or DC. Marvel. Love it, uh, Panic at the Disco or Fallout Boy? Fall out Boy, jeans or shorts? Jeans, your favorite album of all time? Oh. That's a bugger. This one gets everyone yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> all time, yeah,
0: or, or oh, maybe like your favorite one right now that you're blasting if it's difficult for you.
2: Um. Favourite one right now is an Absence, new one.
0: Oh, wicked. Such a great album. Uh, Harry mm-hmm. Potter or Lord of the Rings? Harry Potter. Netflix or Disney Plus? Netflix. Uh, your favourite takeaway food? Uh, pizza. And the best advice you could give someone? Don't do drugs. Mate, you're not last, man. Everyone worries about coming in last. (laughs) Like, seriously, everyone's like, oh, man, I didn't want to come in last. like, dude, I remember, like, it's literally like a league table that I've made up. Uh, Dude, you did well then, man. Also, uh, that is the of life advice I give as well. Don't do drugs. Stay away from that mess. Good Lord. Um, Dude, this was so cool to finally speak to you, man. Uh, I've been a fan for a few years, so this was absolutely wicked. Um, I'm absolutely devastated, mate, that uh, your next tour is not around uh, Wolverhampton. Your closest place is like Manchester, man. And I think Uh that... I think the day that you're playing um, is like I think it's is it the 14th you're in Manchester I think I, I saw something like that. I think it was like the 14th mm. of August with Junior that you're in Manchester and I, I don't think I can get up there, man. So, dude, eventually when you play like Birmingham or Wolverhampton, I will be mm-hmm. there, man. I'll try and meet you guys because uh, your music's really helped me, man. At some uh, through some, certain points in my life, so this is wicked. Thank that really you so means much. a lot, man, mate. And congrats on you're the reason I hate leaving because it absolutely bangs, man. I'm so proud of you guys. Thank you so much, dude. I appreciate that. This is wicked, mate. Thank you. Right. See you later, dude. Bye.